Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Is coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. My name is Danny Parkins. I do afternoons, Monday through Friday. On 670, the score in Chicago. Sunday nights here on CBS Sports Radio and the radio.com app. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Parkins. You can call me on CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. 855-212-4227. It's brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Man, the NFL does not stop with headlines, huh? Tomorrow, you think about, you know, those shows like First Take or Pardon the Interruption or whatever. They'll have the will, did Kaepernick do enough to play again? Did he hurt or help his chances? That's from Saturday. They'll have the Tua injury. Should he have been playing? Was Nick Saban right to have Tua in the game to practice the two-minute warning or the two-minute drill? That's just from Saturday. So you got the number one quarterback at the number one college football powerhouse suffering a devastating injury, and you have polarizing lightning rod quarterback Colin Kaepernick staging a what turned out to be a made for live stream workout on his own terms and then calling out 32 NFL owners and Roger Goodell then we got to today when the pro games were played Lamar Jackson my guess is moves to the top of a lot of people's lists for MVP there's a controversial injury disguised as a benching benching disguised that is an injury debate in Sunday night football with how Mitch Trubisky was pulled with three minutes left. I happen to believe the injury is real. I don't think you need to make up a reason to bench Mitch Trubisky, but I expect him to play again. But the conspiracy theories are already going crazy in Chicago. And when it happens in a city this big, it goes nuts around the country. Dwayne Haskins looked overmatched. Kyle Allen was terrible. I'd imagine there'll be some talk about not trading Cam Newton all of a sudden in Carolina. I have no idea what the hell's going on with the Falcons. I'm not buying that switching a receiver coach to a cornerback coach, defensive back coach and Raheem Morris allows you to have more sacks in two games than you had in the previous eight. That doesn't make any damn sense, but that's what they're selling. It was a wild day of football. It really was. And I still got to be honest with you. Everyone will be talking about pass interference because of the calamity, the tragedy that happened in the uh, Texans Ravens game on the DeAndre Hopkins play. And when you've got an all pro receiver saying that Al Riveron needs to have his job taken away from him, that that's going to bring attention, right? You got a head coach saying pass interference is broken. You've got an all pro receiver calling for the replay officials job 
that's going to be a big conversation point. But I think that something that's getting lost in the shuffle is the end of Niners Cardinals. I want an explanation from the NFL as to how that touchdown was able to stand. All scoring plays are reviewable. It doesn't matter that in either scenario, the Niners win. The Niners either win by three or they win by 10. So who cares? There's fantasy football money on that game. There's gambling money on that game. If you are going to, you know, get into business with DraftKings and be behind and in favor of the legalization of sports gambling, you can't have like, ah, it's over. Screw the replay. That was absolutely ludicrous. And it didn't cost me a dime. But I just follow that stuff, and that matters, man. So that's going to get lost in the shuffle, but I hope the NFL gives us an explanation as to what the hell happened at the end of Cardinals-Niners and why that touchdown was allowed to stand. The Cardinals should have covered that spread if you got it at 10 instead of pushed. If you got it at 10 and a half, 11, 11 and a half, good job by you. You overcame it. If you benefited from that in fantasy football with the Niners defense, good on you, but you didn't deserve it. And oh my goodness, if that would have uh, swung the spread or the over-under, you would have been talking about millions of dollars shifted on a touchdown that absolutely should not have counted. Even Al Riveron could have got that call right. It was a wild day in the NFL. And a lot of big-time stories are going to be overshadowed because there were so many of them. 855-212-4227. Your top takeaways from a crazy day of football. Tim is in Wisconsin. He's on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Tim? How are you doing uh, this morning? I guess not, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, with Trubisky, I'm just thinking, okay, all right. Roquan Smith picks off a pass, right? Yes. All right. Then you have Trubisky throwing throwing a, a interception, which should have been caught by all rights. I mean, I, I don't get it. And then you have uh, what was his name? What was it? Yeah, Cooper Cuff. Cooper Cup. I'm sorry. Fumbles the football. That could have changed that whole outlook of the of the football game if he would if if Chicago would have recovered it. Right. Okay. Then we have. Then we have Panero missing another two field goals. I mean, how much more longer are they going to keep this guy? Well, listen, they say that they're going to keep Panero. And if your point is that Trubisky has problems uh, or has uh, plenty of blame to go around and all of the problems are not Mitch's, I, I obviously agree with you. Like, I, I understand that the Bears lead the NFL in drops and that Matt Nagy has absolutely no clue how to coach a running game, and that David Montgomery was hurt today, and that the kicker missed a couple of kicks. All of the problems of the Bears are not on Mitch Trubisky. I just believe that they start with him, that it's a very complicated offense, and Mitch doesn't have it between the ears to to master it and maximize it, and we know that the offense works. It worked for Alex Smith in Kansas City. It works for Pat Mahomes in Kansas City. It works for Carson Wentz in Philly. It worked for Nick Foles in Philly. It's not working for Mitch Trubisky in Chicago. So a lot of different quarterbacks with a lot of different skill sets have been able to operate this offense at a very high level. 
Mitch Trubisky hasn't been able to. Now, that doesn't mean that Matt Nagy is blameless or the receivers are blameless. I just personally believe Mitch Trubisky is worse at his job than Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace are at theirs. So I believe that he deserves the, major- the, the biggest slice of the blame pie. But the whole pie of blame is not his. Mmm, pie of blame. I like pumpkin pie of blame. That's coming this Thanksgiving, baby. Week from Thursday, best holiday of the year. Football, family, food. No presents. What a great holiday. 855-212-4227 is the telephone number. Monty in Dallas. I feel like Dallas is taking a little bit of umbrage with my analysis of their squad. What's up, Monty? Hey, I just wanted to run something by you. Dak Prescott, he rates in the top five in every category. Why would you call him average? Because I've watched more than just this season against bad teams. This, um, Dallas's record is based on um, every team in the NFL when they play Dallas Cowboys, they put, they're up for, they play their best game. And Wait, why? That, based on what? Based on because Dallas is America's team. And uh, I tell you what, I think we're going to be in the Super Bowl this year. And I think Dak is a well, well above average quarterback. I mean, why would he rate in all top uh, categories of quarterbacks in every uh, thing that they're rated by in the top five? I mean, he is, he is incredible. And he's had an incredible game today. And every team that they face is up for their best game. And that's, I mean, you can't sit there and say in the NFL that it's a bad, it's a losing record. Well, yeah, it's a losing record, but they're still NFL players, and they're still when they face the Dallas Cowboys, they play their best game. And, okay, uh, you're so, just, listen because because they're America's team. That does not mean the Miami Dolphins play their best game against the Dallas Cowboys. That is ridiculous. Like there's there's no there's no quantifiable proof that says teams play their best games because the other team's wearing a star on their helmet. That's insane. Dak Prescott is absolutely having a very good statistical season. He's got nearly 2,800 passing yards. He's got 18 touchdowns. He's got nine picks. He's third in quarterback rating. He's completing 68% of his passes. Dak is having a great statistical year. There's no shade that I'm throwing on him for that. All I'm saying is Dak Prescott is in not a good situation. He's in a perfect situation. And Dak Prescott, over the course of his career, has been average. Dak Prescott's best thing in his career has been that he's never missed a game. He's been very healthy. First year, 3,600 and change passing yards. Second year, 3,300 and change passing yards. Third year, 3,800 and change passing yards. First year, 23 touchdowns. Second year, 22 touchdowns. Third year, 22 touchdowns. So he's between 33 and 38 or 3,900 passing yards, 22 to 23 touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns every year, about 300 rushing yards. So it's about 4,000 yards total passing and rushing, 29 total touchdowns with all pro center, all pro guard, all pro tackle, all pro running back, pro bowl receiver. He's good, and this year he's playing very good. But let's be honest. How many quarterbacks, if like if you took Aaron Rodgers and put him in Dallas' situation, 
he's obliterating Dak's production, right? If you put him in that situation, and that's Aaron Rodgers. What do you think Deshaun Watson would do? What do you think Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson, guys who are clearly more talented than Dak Prescott? Dak's good. We saw it, though, a couple of weeks ago when Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith were hurt. Dak Prescott was not very impressive, right? Which game was that? That was the, uh, so there's the Green Bay game where he took three sacks and threw three picks. There's the Eagles game that they won big, took three sacks and threw a pick. But for the most part, he's been good this year. But we see it when guys on the O-line were injured. Oh, remember that Saints game? We're able to score 10 points in the Superdome. That was around the time when uh, Lyle Collins was hurt. Tyron Smith was hurt. They lost to the Jets. No touchdowns in that game. He's just, he's fine. And if you want to pay Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson money, good luck. We see it with the Rams right now. I'll be there to tell you so. Say I told you so. When in two years, Amari Cooper's not on the squad, Jones, the cornerback's not on the squad, and they're not as deep around them because they're paying Dak Prescott top five quarterback money, and he's not elevating the guys around them. He's good. He's not great. Like, what do you do? You think Dak Prescott would be this hotly debated if he was on Buffalo or Jacksonville or Tennessee or Cincinnati? You think he's making those teams much better? Because I don't. I think if he was in a bad situation, he'd be bad. But because he's in a great situation, he's good. And by the way, th- that's the game. There's a lot of luck that goes along with this sort of thing. So he doesn't have to apologize for it. But I don't have to bend over backwards and praise for him because he's in an incredible situation until this year putting up really pedestrian numbers. Last but not least, has some monster stories we'll get to in just over 20 minutes. So we'll rapid fire your NFL takeaways next. It's CBS Sports Radio. This is the Danny Parkin Show. 855-212-4227. Let's get your top takeaways from week 11 in the National Football League. I've been giving you mine all night. We'll get to last but not least that will spray away from pro football in just a little bit. So let's see here. In Charlotte, Ryan. You're on the Danny Parkin Show, radio.com, CBS Sports Radio. Thanks for calling. Hey, Danny. Um, thanks again for taking my call. And um, um, Before I get to my point, I just want to say, yeah, it was a crazy day in the NFL and a wild week in sports period this past week. So so hopefully you know, you know, next next week will be a little bit better. But um, the points I wanted to ask you about, there there's two coaches right now, both, both in the AFC, um, that, I, that I wanted to ask you about for possible coaches years certain things happen first of all um pittsburgh you know mike tomlin if considering what mike tomlin went through last year with losing Le'Veon bell and the drama behind that and then losing antonio brown and we know about that too and losing big ben to injury this season and now the steelers were involved in that fight with the browns if if pittsburgh was to get if he was to get pittsburgh into the playoffs you know you know considering everything they've gone through would you consider Mike Tomlin as a possible candidate for coach of the year with all that? And then my other coach is, 
um, with Oakland, John Gruden, you know, like with rebuilding and the Khalil Mack stuff. But o- Oakland seems to be doing really well now. I mean, John Gruden seems to be, you know, you know, he, he's doing well with them. He's his, his, his I, I guess his decisions have have turned out to be good right now. I don't know if they'll get in or not. But if these two teams get in the playoffs, um, would you consider Mike Tomlin and John Gruden as possible coaches of the year? And I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take it off offline. Okay, Ryan, I appreciate the call. Thanks for checking in. Um, no. In a word on Mike Tomlin, no. I think that Mike Tomlin has done a very nice job stabilizing things after the Minka Fitzpatrick trade and the Roethlisberger injury and the starting to one and four and now putting themselves back in the AFC playoff picture. NFL coach of the year, it should go to Belichick every year if it was best coach in football, right? We We know from the track record of this award, it's usually a most improved team award or like a worst to first award. So Oakland is an interesting case because they were last in the AFC last uh, West last year and finished four and 12. I don't know if whatever they finish with this year, be it seven, eight, nine wins. We'll see where they end up finishing. will be enough there because Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers exist. Like the 49ers could easily win 13 games this year after winning four last year. So that's a nine-win improvement for Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. So I, I think Shanahan is the odds-on favorite for it. And I'll tell you what, even though Baltimore won 10 games last year, I think John Harbaugh should be in consideration, and I think Frank Reich should be in consideration over the two guys you named. Harbaugh building his system and adapting his system on the fly to Lamar Jackson and how much they go for it on fourth down. And he trusts his analytical department. I think John Harbaugh is cementing himself as a top five coach in the game. And Frank Reich, even though they won 10 games last year in Indianapolis, stabilizing that team post Andrew Luck retiring 16 games before the season. And then Jacoby Brissett getting hurt. If the Colts, somehow win 10 games again. They're six and four right now. I think Frank Reich, John Harbaugh, and Kyle Shanahan would be three candidates I would have in front of John Gruden or Mike Tomlin. Now, if the Raiders get to 10 wins after winning four last year, now you got something. But I I think those three guys I'd have in front of uh, the two that you mentioned right now. 855-212-4227 is the telephone number. Eric is in New York. He's on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Eric? Hey, how you doing? Um, I think uh, with the betting, uh, I think NFL, they're going to have to start making rules, not sitting on the ball, kneeling on the ball, you know, when they're at the 10-yard line to run out the clock. I mean, you, you have millions and millions of dollars on under-overs, you know, uh, let, let's just say there was a miracle today and Trubisky threw another touchdown and was 17-14, you know, and then the Rams are just sitting on the ball at the 10-yard line. They get, they get, they're going to have to put some rule in, you know, that if you could score, you just can't kneel on the ball. Uh, no, that that's always been a part of the game. Thank you for the call. Like that That's baked in. You got to, you know, if the team wants to protect the ball and give it to you, that's fine. What can't happen for gambling is what happened at the end of Niners Cardinals. That is a travesty. It, that is a sports travesty. And again, it cost me zero dollars. 
Didn't make me money. Didn't lose me money. But that was not a touchdown, and it was ruled a touchdown seemingly out of laziness and like a, meh, it doesn't change who won the game. It just changes who won the game by how many. That can't happen. If all scoring plays are supposed to be reviewed, that touchdown should have been reviewed, and the Niners should not have won that game by 10. That just, that can't happen. You don't need to change rules in game. You just need to get the rules correct so that the score actually comes out to what it's supposed to be. John in Delaware, you're on CBS Sports Radio. John, thanks for calling. Danny, how you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Hey, I'm uh, I'm on Bluetooth in my car, so I'll make it quick. Um, All I'm going to say is I don't think you've given Zach enough credit. Working here, he he goes 13-3 with what receiver Ted Bryant Terrence Williams, Old Beasley, you know. Ever since the Marty Cooper has come in, first game, Cooper, like. Yo, your your phone your phone is an absolute disaster. I got I gotta let you go. You're saying I'm not giving Dak enough credit. I don't care about win loss record when evaluating quarterbacks. It's a team sport. Tony Romo would have won those twelve games that Dak won his rookie year if he would have been healthy. Romo was better than Dak at the time. Romo's a better quarterback than Dak. Dak has won games. Dak is solid. Dak is fine. Put Dak Prescott on a handful of teams, 10 teams in the NFL, right? Put him on the Titans. Put him on the Jaguars. Put him on the Bengals. Put him on the Bills. He's irrelevant. He's fine. He's not special. But because he's the quarterback of the Cowboys, he gets inflated up and people think that he's special. And I'm no Cowboy hater. I was a fan as a kid. But I've just seen it happen. We saw what happened when Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith were hurt. He was average. 855-212-4227 is the telephone number. We got time for one more. Elliot, right here in the great city of Chicago. What's up, Elliot? How's it going, Danny? Chilling, man. Good, good. Listen to you on the score. Always good stuff. Uh, all Thank right. you. A couple things. Make them real quick. Number one, uh, honestly, you know, like you said, there's there's so much blame to go around with the Bears. It's just who takes the most. Um, I, I I really think that like whatever it was, the injury being real or fake, it's a it's a to me it's just a microcosm of how this entire season has gone. Nothing really makes sense. Uh, <laughs> like it's just this whole season for me is just confusing. I don't really get it. Um, and then second second of all, you know. I think someone said this earlier, but I just I understand the Ravens being as good as they are, uh, but but I think it's honestly their disadvantage that that they uh, they played the Patriots and won because Belichick is not going to lose to the same team twice, especially in the playoffs. There's no better human being on the planet that adjusts more uh, than Bill Belichick, or is better at, at adjusting to teams during the season. I, I just think that's like their death wish. Honestly, if they play the Patriots in January. No way Belichick's not going to be prepared for them the second time. Yeah, listen, I appreciate the call. Obviously, that's the conventional wisdom, and that's why they'll be favored in a rematch. But John Harbaugh has beat the Patriots in the playoffs twice. Like The Ravens have gotten them. So it's not like it's impossible. It's not like he'll be intimidated by it. And Lamar Jackson might just be that dude. It might be his year. We are seeing the modern Mike Vick. He's the best athlete in the history of the position. 
and he's got a high ceiling as a passer. I think that he is the MVP favorite in front of Russell Wilson. He's awesome. And also they are zigging when everyone else is zagging. I mean, the, the, the Niners run the ball a lot, creative run schemes. The Cardinals run a lot, creative run schemes, but no one's doing it quite like Baltimore with all the options, the different running backs, Lamar Jackson's athleticism, their commitment to it on pace for the fewest punts of a team in NFL history going forward on fourth down. They are, they're very impressive. And Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith healthy, Marcus Peters back in a system where he can be a ball hawk and aggressive guy and go for those pick sixes. Yeah, man, Ravens defense rounding into form. They are a very, very, very tough out. But like I said earlier, if it was a power ranking situation, I'd have the Ravens number one. If it was a Super Bowl favorite situation, I'd have the Patriots as the favorite. And I think that that's reasonable for where we stand here on November 18th. We'll get to last but not least before Amy Lawrence takes over. My name's Danny Parkins. This is the Danny Parkins Show. With time running out, we still have a few questions we didn't get answers to. Danny Parkins gives us his thoughts on a couple of different stories in this week's edition of Last But Not Least. After Hours with Amy Lawrence is coming up next. My name is Danny Parkins. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and letting me end your weekend the right way. Always have a lot of fun doing these NFL postgame shows on CBS Sports Radio and the Radio.com app. However, there are other stories that get overshadowed by the day of football that I don't get to weigh in on. So my man Ryan Hickey asked me some questions, and I weigh in. That's what we call last but not least. Go ahead, Ryan. All right, Danny. So biggest news coming out of the college football world on Saturday was Tua Tungavailoa going down with a dislocated hip, and his year is now done. He will have surgery, uh, to I guess, today in Houston um, to help fix that dislocated hip. Now, the initial scare, too, and the big concern, not just for Tua's health on the field, but also uh, for his career, is that his dislocated hip injury was very similar to Bo Jackson's that ended his career. So, obviously, that's the big question for Tua's career going forward. Now, Alabama, you look at the 2019 season, they are fifth right now in the college world playoff rankings. They do have a, a trip to Auburn left in their schedule, and obviously, playing with Mac Jones, the backup quarterback, will hurt their argument for the college world playoff to get the top four. So, this injury, does it have a bigger impact on Tua's career or Alabama's season? I was very impressed and heartened in a way, as much as sports coverage can hearten a man, that the majority of the analysis of and conversation on the talking head shows that I saw was about Tua as a person and as a player and not about Alabama. Because obviously it's devastating for Alabama's season and their playoff chances and all of that. Because I believe that some common sense and eye test should come into play when going over flawed resumes. If you're an undefeated team from a Power 5 conference, you get in. I got no problem with that. But when you start debating, you know, a one-loss Penn State or one-loss Oregon or a one-loss Oklahoma and one-loss Bama, I got no problem if you say, listen, uh, one team's resume might be a little bit better, but the other team, they would be favored. They're the better team based on the eye test, so putting them in. So I thought that Bama still had a chance to have the human beings put them into the college football playoff before the Tua injury. So it's devastating for Bama because now I don't think that'll happen. But for Tua, man, you're talking about millions of dollars. You're talking about his future. You're talking about the amateur system. You're talking about a coach 
playing him in a blowout spot because he needed practice and all of the ramifications that come with that. Like we are at, we're not there yet, but we are approaching a tipping point with college sports. Enough people are becoming alive and awoke to the idea that, you know, the NCAA shouldn't be a nonprofit. That seems silly. These guys can't profit off their own likeness when for many college athletes, their biggest earning years will be when they're on those college campuses and they're the proverbial big man on campus. Now, that's not going to be the case for Tua, and it wasn't the case for Tua. But you'd feel a lot better if he not only had an injury clause insurance taken out on himself, which I hope and I'm sure that he did, but also if he'd been making a few hundred K over the last few years, signing autographs and doing commercials in Tuscaloosa. So I think that the we're as these things happen, we're going to keep pointing to, Hey, remember that injury? Remember that play? Remember this guy getting exposed? Remember that suspension for tattoos and the two of thing will just be added to the list. And now I have no idea if he'll still be the top quarterback taken or if he'll be a first round pick or what it'll be. I, I'm not like everyone else seemingly on Twitter that can diagnose hip injuries on the fly. I'll leave that to the experts and the surgeons, but it feels like, and this is anecdotal, but it feels like if the exact same set of circumstances happens to Tua 10 years ago, the vast majority of the conversation is about Alabama and the playoff and their national title hopes. But because it happened now, he was treated less as a disposable commodity and more as a human being and in that spot a sympathetic figure. And in an odd way, it was sad to watch, obviously, but it felt to me like kind of a demarcation of progress. So I was actually kind of surprised that I was able to find some positivity in it because it feels to me like we're getting better at understanding how much these kids are being exploited, especially the truly great ones, which is exactly what Tua is. So obviously we all hope that he makes a full recovery and he dominates on Sundays for the next 15 years. But I do think that I will remember how the tone shifted in the conversation around Tua's injury. What's next? So for baseball, the Athletic this week broke a very detailed story talking about how the Astros stole signs from opposing teams back in 2017. Now that process included implementing a camera out in center field that focused on the catcher's signs. That feed was sent right to a TV outside the dugout where players, staff members were watching that live feed. Once they're able to decode the signs, they'd bang on a trash can uh, for off-speed pitches to let the batter know if an off-speed pitch was coming. Now on top of that, the Athletic also, also reported that scouts were advised to film signs from the dugout when they were scouting games and try to pick up signs that were being given from managers to players. So what should the level of anger be for sports fans when you see how far the Astros are willing to go and cheat and steal signs? I think really high, honestly. Um, the majority of the time I subscribe to a, like, if you're not cheating, you're not trying mantra. And that is not to say that I don't care about it. It's just that I can only care so much because I assume that everybody is doing it. Like with steroids, for example, massive cheating story. 
Everybody had access to it. Some guys had access to better ones. Baseball looked the other way. Everybody got rich. It was voluntary. Wasn't explicitly against the rules. I enjoyed watching the home runs. I was a kid in 1998 in Chicago watching Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. I'm 12 years old. Like, I, I didn't have the capacity for outrage. And obviously compared to other things in the real world that give you uh, pause for anger, this is just a sports story. But I was struck by the levels at which they were willing to go to. And there's the old Larry Flint line about pornography. I can't define it, but I know what it is when I see it. Every single thing can't be written down in the rules and the laws and the bylaws and all of that. But, like, we have an understanding that if you see a guy uh, cock his wrist forward with his glove hand, and then that indicates that a curveball is coming, and then that tips his pitch, that's not cheating. That's scouting your opponent. And if you pick up that tell on a pitcher and then you tell your teammates, that's not cheating. That's scouting your opponent and trying to get a competitive advantage. But when you use technology in that clandestine approach and it results in a World Series and you drawing outside the lines in such a deliberate, calculated way it feels like we've been cheated. And I've talked to some pretty high-ranking baseball people who are not surprised in the least by this and say that they've noticed the cheating schemes getting more sophisticated. So I do not believe the Astros to be lone wolves here. But... I think that baseball should address this because this is the last thing that the sport needs now. Like the steroid era brought baseball back after the strike. Baseball's popularity is really strong locally whenever a local team is doing well, but it is waning and eroding nationally. The last thing baseball needs is to have a cheating epidemic seemingly spread throughout the game. They need to come down swiftly and harshly on the Astros. I honestly don't know what an appropriate retroactive punishment for this is, so I'm not going to opine on it there. I don't know enough about the precedent and the history that's been established there. But what I do know is it doesn't feel like this is a standalone accusation about one team in one season. They just happen to find one team in one season. So I I think baseball potentially is looking at a much bigger scandal as – more and more people come out and start telling their stories going forward. What's next? So finish a little NBA. Obviously, the season now is in full swing. About 13 games in, so obviously going into the season, a lot of focus was going to be uh, on Los Angeles after both teams had just a mega offseason with acquiring stars through free agency and trade. So through 13 games, Lakers right now 11-2, best record in the NBA, while the Clippers, on the other hand, are just 8-5. Obviously, AD and LeBron really gelling so far. I would say probably pretty quickly more than people expected while Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have yet to play in the same game together. So down the line in the long run here, which team, which Los Angeles team do you think will be better, the Clippers or the Lakers? So in a seven-game series, it'd be hard for me to pick against the team with the two best players, which is LeBron and Anthony Davis, but the Clippers are the better team. They are the better team. They are deeper. They are better defensively. They are younger. Uh, And Paul George, man, 
Paul George had such a cool game the other night when he scored 37 points in 20 minutes in the first real game where he put on an L.A. jersey as a kid from Southern California. That was so awesome. Like, I, people forget how good he is. He is an all-NBA, top 15, legitimate two-way player. Him and Kawhi, like people saying that they were, they were too redundant, you're out of your mind. Like, those guys are going to be hell to, to to score against on the wings, and then they are just relentless. I I think the Clippers are awesome. I think the Lakers are awesome. I would love for that to be the Western Conference Finals, but the Clippers are the better team. The Lakers are the flashier team, and I just thought it was so cool that Paul George gets to wear an L.A. jersey and play in his home city, and just immediately, they said that they practiced with him one time, and he drops 37 points in 20 minutes. And then LeBron drops the double-double tonight with Kobe courtside. Like, I just think I think it would be a really cool story for the NBA if that was the Western Conference Finals. And I know they were the two preseason favorites, and I know the Jazz and the Blazers and the Nuggets and plenty of other teams are going to have a lot to say about it, and we got a long way to go to get there. But I am in on the L.A. storylines. Hey, so just real quick, don't want to make too much about this, but um, it's been a dream of mine for forever to host national radio, and – You'd have to tell me that something crazy had happened in my life for me to voluntarily give it up, but that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. Next week will be my last show uh, regularly in this time slot, and I got a TV opportunity locally, and my wife is having a kid in March, and I do a morning show on Sundays during football season called You Better You Bet on radio.com, and doing three hours on Sunday mornings and then four hours on Sunday night was just too much in terms of a work-life balance when I do afternoon drive Monday through Friday. So next week's going to be my last Danny Parkin show on Sunday nights. I'll still be filling in. I'll be able to introduce who's going to replace me uh, next week on the show. But I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening over the last uh, 11 months since we started this show, 11 and a half months. It's been uh, truly an honor and a highlight of my career. Thanks to Ryan Hickey, my executive producer, Dan Wilkin and Therese Paler. My name is Danny Parkins. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.